Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we're speaking with Jonathan Wasserman, draft guru and lead scout to Bleach Report. First, let's introduce the Bird Rights Editor-in-Chief, the man who buys everybody margaritas at Summer League, Mr. Ali Cosell. What's up, man? Oh, man, I'm missing the mojitos, actually, more than anything right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess the margaritas were for me, so that's a that's a singular title. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the man of the hour, Bleach Report's own Jonathan Wasserman. Are things starting to settle down for you a bit with Summer League out of the way? Yeah, I'm actually watching golf right now as we uh, record <laughs> this podcast. So, um, yeah, Summer League's over, and this is like really the dull the dull period, which uh, has its pros and cons. You kind of You kind of look forward to uh, another basketball being played sometime soon. Yeah, well, we don't want you to get too comfortable, so we're going to keep you at work. Don't want you watching too much golf uh, and <laughs> falling off the wagon, so to speak. Uh, again, you guys, you can follow all of Jonathan's work at Bleacher Report. Of course, follow him at NBA Draft Was, and I highly encourage you to do so because he makes people like me sound really smart after the Pelicans selected Jackson Hayes. Let's go ahead and dive right on in, uh, Jonathan. Breakout summer league play of Nikhail Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes, the, the Pelicans' other two first-round picks. Walker arguably could have been considered the MVP. Uh, he lost against Brandon Clark uh, to that title against the Memphis Grizzlies in the semifinals. Uh, I have his numbers in front of me. 24.3 points, 6 assists, 4.8 rebounds. You had him ranked 23rd overall in your big board, which I think was taken two weeks before the draft. The Pelicans took him a little bit higher than people probably anticipated as 17th overall. What were your impressions of him through his four contests in summer league? Well, he's probably going to make me look stupid for ranking him number 23. Um, he looked awfully comfortable out there. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you see a guy in college and he plays within a system and, and he's kind of afraid to make mistakes. And then you see him in summer league where it's a nothing to lose atmosphere. He's got a green light uh, to dominate the ball and, and make mistakes. And um, I mean, he looks so much more confident. We saw him do a lot more creating off the dribble, a lot more facilitating and passing as the lead guard. So uh, I, I think one of the biggest takeaways from summer league was how comfortable Alexander Walker looked and, and some of the, some of the limitations and, and fears we had when he was at Virginia tech, they really didn't pop 
in Las Vegas. I mean, you really didn't get the sense that the physicality was going to be a problem. He looked pretty good inside the arc. He's always been a consistent shooter, but how is he going to finish after contact, create his own shot, create shots for others? He did that at a really high level and just really stood out in Vegas. So he was one of the more pleasant surprises and looked like, uh, you know, a potential steal at number 17 overall. Jonathan, that's what everybody's thinking about right now. What is Nikhil Alexander-Walker's ceiling? And in particular, I want to get your thoughts on, do you think he has enough of the uh, talent, skills, and aptitude to play backup point guard in the league? Because the Pelicans right now do not have a legitimate backup point guard. I know Drew Holiday can play, but after what we saw last year, he really prefers to play off the ball. So behind Lonzo Ball, there's really nobody. Do you think Nikhil could, as soon as next year, fill that role as a backup point guard for the Pelicans? I think that's what all signs are pointing to. And if I think if, if we learn one thing, one takeaway from Summer League, it's that he can get guys involved, right? He was His first year at Virginia Tech, he was mostly a spot-up player. I would have said, no way can this guy play point guard. And then he got more reps last year um, with Justin Robinson, who was Virginia Tech's point guard. He was injured, and, and Alexander Walker took over, and we saw some more flashes of it. But really, in Summer League, I mean, he – the thing that stood out most with him was his playmaking and his one-handed passes. And so I think that's really going to be the ideal position for him to be a, an oversized point guard who does have the versatility to play off the ball at the two as well with that jump shot. But ideally you put him as a, as a, a mismatch at the point and, and let him kind of pick apart second units um, as a passer. And so, I, yeah, that, that would be my guess. I guess the question is how fast does he take that position um, and become the backup to Lonzo. But seems like with the next couple of years, that's uh, that's the direction that he's headed. Yeah, we were anticipating with just how deep the Pelicans roster is right now that we might see some of these picks uh, with the Erie Bayhawks in the G League affiliate. But after his performance, as well as Jackson Hayes, uh, I don't expect that we're going to see that happen this season. And let's go ahead and talk about Jackson Hayes. You had him fifth overall in your big board. He was taken eighth and he was considered a reach by some. You had him going ninth to the Wizards and you called him a low risk, sure thing option. Uh, his breakout performance in his first in his first minute of NBA action, we could we should say was that sky high dunk and he ended up scoring 28 points on that night averaged 16.3 points 7.3 rebounds 1.3 blocks in his contest at summer league tell us has your perception of jackson changed after watching him play no i mean i, I ranked him like you said number fifth overall on, on my personal big board so i was obviously very high on him coming out of college i'll probably look better uh, with my projection on hayes and i will with alexander walker but like, like you said, what I mentioned, uh, a low-risk type of guy. I mean, you know exactly what he's going to do, and he has the the size and physical tools and, and athleticism um, to succeed in that role. It reminds me a lot of, of what Mitchell Robinson did last year, where maybe he's a little bit limited skill-wise, but just let him play to his strengths uh, as a rim runner, uh, diving to the basket. We, we saw how high he can get above the rim. He's going to be an easy basket machine, you know, whether his offensive skill develops or not. And uh, just just keep him in the game. He's going to stay active. Um, he, he's energetic. He, he loves to to fly to the rim and make plays on the ball at both sides. And so I think if you, no matter what lineup you put him in, just say play to your strengths. He's going to be a very active, efficient uh, player at both sides. It's now it's just a matter of time. Is uh, when does he learn how to defend without fouling? And, and I think we saw that a little bit at Texas. We saw a little bit at summer league. And um, I, I think he's he's clearly the the future starting center. Um, of the Pelicans, just maybe not right away. Jonathan, you just mentioned Mitchell Robinson, but I know after reading some of your articles that you don't exclusively think that Jackson Hayes will remain 
you know, similar to Clint Capella, a rim runner. What do you think is his ceiling? And can you maybe compare it to somebody or at least explain to the people what you expect if he does, you know, check all the boxes, makes all those strides with his development, what we could see possibly in, say, five years or so? Yeah, I mean, I still think that his his identity in the league is going to revolve around off-ball stuff, uh, just running, jumping, reacting. But I think we saw a little bit here. He has, he's got some touch, uh, both from the free throw line and around the key. Um, he, he can, he can you know, maneuver his body in, in different ways to finish at tougher angles. Um, and so, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be a go-to player in the offense. You know, they're not going to feature him. But when he's got space down low, he ranked in the 95th percentile, I believe, in post-ups of Texas. And uh, I think he's going to be a, a threat with the ball around the key. Maybe not, you know, a top option in the offense, but somebody who can make you pay other than just by uh, just by the dunks and the block shots. He's got a little more to his game, a little more in his bag with his back to the basket. I'm going to ask a follow-up question, then we'll move right along. Uh, obviously, we saw some glimpses of some talent that wasn't realized at Texas. Uh, he's only been 6'11", I think, for two years now. So he's still evolving as a playmaker, as you just discussed. And we saw glimpses of that perimeter shooting, like you mentioned. Uh, there was one touch pass uh, to Cavale Bigby Williams uh, that resulted in a quick basket. Uh, he had a laser pointer uh, pass, a one-armed pass to Nikhail Alexander-Walker underneath the basket from the top of the key, just showing us some glimpses of other skills that could evolve evolve over over time i know it's kind of rudimentary to do this at this point but do you think he could evolve beyond that mitchell robinson that clint capella and like you said become some kind of playmaking big from the top of the key i mean it's a funny thing because uh like you mentioned the nice passes in college he uh was not much of an assist guy i'm trying to pull up the numbers he had nine assists all season as a freshman that's pretty unbelievable Mm -hmm. um like he, he you know he grew a lot he had that big growth spurt he kind of was a really late bloomer in terms of high school recruiting. And so he's one of those kind of mysteries, those question marks of how do you put a ceiling on this guy? Who knows what he's going to do over the night? He just turned 19. He's going to play three NBA seasons and still be 21. I mean, it's really difficult to predict what he's going to do four or five years down the line. I think the first three years expect him to be that Mitchell Robinson type guy. Um, but you know, it's anybody's guess how much he improves skill-wise with his jump shot, with his passing, with his shot creation. Uh, I'm not going to say that he can't get better. I'm not going to say I'm going to bet on him getting better in that regard. But I think that the real value with Hayes and and uh, the real appeal to him is that he's got that high floor. No matter what, you're going to get a Mitchell Robinson type guy. Now I'm going to jump in front of you, Ali, for a moment, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to bury the lead here, and we're going to talk about the, uh, the the elephant in the room a little bit later in the podcast. But before we get to that, you had three other Pelicans uh, ranked in your top 50 in uh, being in Christian Wood, Frank Jackson, and Kenrich Williams. Let's go ahead and briefly touch on Christian Wood. You had him ranked two uh, of all your summer league players. He obviously didn't play a minute. The Pelicans ended up running out of space on their roster, cut him. He's now with Detroit. Uh, just what do you think in terms of that move? Do you think it's a, a, a mistake that the Pelicans are going to regret long-term, or do you just think he's the type of player who can dominate summer league? Yeah, he may be one of those guys. I mean, a really productive uh, G League, summer league. I happen to like him a lot coming out of college, so naturally I'm, you know, I'm a little higher on him. But um, I expected that if he played in summer league, he would have just continued to put up big numbers. And I guess it matters. Um, you know, I have to look at the Pelicans roster, you know, who who makes sense? Uh, I, I I trust Griffin. You know I I trust that he's making the right decisions and that there probably wouldn't have been enough room for him to to have a role 
um, and to grow within that role. And so it's a numbers game a lot of the time. And you got to you got to pick the right amount of guys and, and the right fits for, for what you have. And I think the Pistons got a nice pick up there. Um, and, and so we'll see what happens with with Wood. He's had a he's just never found that that uh, that place where he can grow. And, and it just hasn't happened for him yet. But I think it's just all a matter of fit. Maybe it wasn't right with New Orleans. Probably better chance with Detroit uh, backing up those bigs there. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Yeah, to follow up, Jonathan, I was told that the Pelicans were indeed high on him. They liked what he brought to the table, and it truly was just a numbers game. They couldn't, you know, hang on to him because they they had their 15 roster spots ahead of him already taken up. So they didn't want to basically bring him into training camp. And then, of course, the chances of him making the team were slim. So they did right by him, by letting him go now and latching on with another team to give him a be- you know, his best chance of sure. remaining with another team for the upcoming season on an NBA contract. So I applaud them for that move. But moving on, I really want to talk about Kenrich. This is a guy, Jonathan, that a lot of us here in New Orleans fell in love with right away. As I, don't, I know I don't have to tell you, but for the fans that may not be familiar – he has such a work ethic and, and the way he just plays basketball in every position, possession, he gives it his all. So he became quickly a fan favorite. I'm curious, did you see anything over these uh, few summer games out of him to make you think that he's improved and possibly he could become something a little bit more than what we saw last season? Yeah, I mean, it looked like he took a step up in terms of uh, getting his own shot in the half court, becoming more of a threat with the ball. I always pictured... Kenrich Williams coming out of college as um, as three and D make make the simple plays, make the open shot, uh, make the right pass, uh, attack the open lane, and and you know defend with toughness. And he'd find a way to carve out a role. But I think he looked a little more more threatening with the ball in his hands this summer league. And uh, I know he didn't shoot a great percentage, but you got to expect with with better players around him, his, his three ball, his three point percentage will increase. And like you said, with the work ethic, I mean, this is just a guy you want to bet on. I'm. I know we graded him, everyone graded him as a second rounder coming out of college, but uh, just one of those guys where if he finds the right fit, he's going to stick. And so uh, I'd imagine with the support from the fans and and uh, I'd imagine the coaching staff in New Orleans that uh, he, he's eventually going to be a, a rotation player, even if it's in a smaller capacity. Speaking of rotation players, Jonathan, uh, a lot of us had high hopes going into the season for Frank Jackson, a guy who really is only entering his second season of full NBA basketball. You had him ranked 10th among your players to watch in summer league out of 50, and he scored 30 points in his inaugural performance uh, against the New York Knicks. It was supposed to be the Zion game, and Frank Jackson ended up taking it over, uh, a guy who's explosive from the perimeter, fast, got great uh, fast twitch muscle fibers, Uh, but like you said, with the play of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, plus a crowded backcourt with guys like Josh Hart, J.J. Redick, Etwan Moore, uh, there's not a lot of minutes to go around. What do you envision as Frank Jackson's future with the team? Um, I, listen, he's going to be that guy who gives you that, uh, that punch of firepower off the bench. And another guy coming out of college, you didn't know if he was a point guard. You didn't know if he was a shooting guard. I guess it doesn't really matter in today's league. It really matters who he's playing alongside. And 
a long season. Um, he's probably going to have stretches where he doesn't play much, and there'll probably be stretches where he does play much, and he's valued uh, for his ability to just put the ball in the basket and, and catch fire and rattle in jumpers, you know, consecutively and, and uh, you know, all the cliche terms, scores in bunches. That's, that's going to be his role, and um, J.J. Redick and Josh Hart may make it tougher for him to get minutes. We'll see what happens with Hart and, and uh, what New Orleans is looking for. It may be different each game. You know, sometimes they may value Hart's uh, versatility and defense, and sometimes they may need, uh, you know, when they're down a little bit, put in a guy like Jackson to try to bring the offense back and bring your team back from a deficit. So his role is probably going to change in terms of minutes uh, on a week-to-week, monthly basis. But um, I, I, like you said, I had him number 10 overall in, in, as the summer league players. I've, I, I'm high on Frank Jackson. I think he's a talented NBA player, a legitimate rotation player, a six-man type. Um, and, and so it's just a matter of when they're going to need him most. But I got a feeling that they got their eyes on Frank Jackson and they're going to be excited to use him. I'm big guy on Frank Jackson, as everybody knows, on the bird ride. So I'm happy to hear that. You're also a little bit high on him. And I'm hoping he can, in the future, have kind of an impact, maybe like, say, Leandro Barbosa did, you know, for the old Suns teams and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, because that would make him a very valuable player coming off the bench. Listen, I want to, Jonathan, I want to get your take on Didi Luzada Silva. He's a guy that almost all of us had no clue on what to expect, and he surprised all of us. You know, he played big minutes, showed to be pretty good, staunch defensively, showed off a shot. Basically, he did everything that the scattering report said he shouldn't be able to do. I mean, he was coming out from what we had read. His best attribute was post-play. He really couldn't do anything but, you know, shoot spot-up jumpers off the ball. He wasn't a playmaker of any kind. So it was really nice to see that there's something possibly in this kid. Where did you have him ranked, Jonathan? And what do you expect possibly for his future to look like uh, if he kind of realizes a lot of his potential? After the Nike Hoop Summit, um, I was I was off. I, I was He was not in my top 50, maybe not even, not my top 75, actually. So this was a big surprise for me. Um, and, and just from what we saw in Summer League, it looks like a lot of people missed on him. And again, good for Griffin and uh, and this Pelicans franchise because that was a good pick um, that I never that I didn't see coming. And, and most scouts I talked to, he wasn't mentioned as one of the top international guys uh, as a second round flyer. And they took him pretty early in that second round. He looked he looked way more comfortable than than from what I saw um, from his highlights over the year. You know, in Brazil, he he. He looked more like a three and D guy who, like I mentioned with Kenrich does the, the simple things, makes open shots, attacks lanes um, as, as a line driver, maybe not a very creative guy with the ball in his hands, but he capitalizes opportunistically um, when he's in scoring position and, and he defends with some toughness. And so, uh, I mean, he looks like exactly what you, you would hope he'd look like, but maybe never anticipated he'd look like particularly this early. And so he's going to Australia I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does there. I'll certainly be paying more attention to him this year than I did last year. And so it just looks like another positive uh, for the Pelicans offseason. And this is Jonathan Wasserman. You can follow him at NBA Draft Was. We're going to get you out on this, Jonathan. Thank you so much for your time. Of course, we buried the lead until now, and that being number one overall pick, Zion Williamson, 11 points in just nine minutes, had a pretty bad plus minus uh, in that game and kind of a herky-jerky jump shot, but obviously displayed overwhelming power, nimble feet, Euro step, uh, explosiveness uh, just in general. Uh, it, it was a small sample size, Jonathan, but what did you get out of those nine minutes? Not much. I mean, we got, uh, I mean, the most we got out of it, I think, was um, 
just satisfaction from watching him rip the ball out of Kevin Knox's hands and throw it down. I mean, that was just like such a signature Zion type of play. Um, let's I think I, I, I know the, the guys from last year set the bar pretty high, like Luca and Trey and DeAndre, they put up pretty big numbers. I mean, we, DeAndre Ayton put up 16 and 10 on nearly 60% shooting. And we kind of didn't really talk about him much. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Zion's numbers this first year are closer to like 18 and, and, and eight, um, I think he's going to struggle a little bit more than than what we saw at Duke in terms of half court creating his own shot. Of course, the easy baskets are still going to be there for him just by tapping into his athleticism and his motor and, and his quickness. But uh, you know, when the game slows down in the half court and he's got the ball around the perimeter, I think he's going to have trouble finding a way to get high percentage shots for himself. And we're going to see him forced into uh, awkward runners and 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 shots that he's not used to having to take. And so. I don't. He may not have as good a season as Luka Doncic did last year, but uh, I still think long term he is. Um, I, I've said all year. I think if I were to put a ceiling on him, I go one notch below MVP, and, and I and I cap it off at All Star starter, which is you know nothing to be uh, upset about. But but that's where I see Zion. I'd just say e- take it easy on him this year if if he doesn't have a Luka Doncic type rookie season because he just turned nine. I don't even know if did he turned nineteen yet. Um, so yeah, looking about from, from a long-term perspective, I think everything is a, okay. He's going to be just fine. July 6th, I think Saturday night, the end of the NBA trade moratorium was his actual 19th birthday. So he is freshly turned 19. You guys can check out Jonathan's, uh, most recent articles way too early 2019, 20 rookie of the year odds, uh, breakout summer league players and how summer league could have impacted the 2019 NBA draft. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it, sir. Yep, no problem, guys. It's fun. You got it. All right, we're going to continue talking here just for a moment longer. Uh, of course, you guys, we've got some great new articles from David Grubb on thebirdrights.com. I wrapped up the press conference, a really great article that I encourage you guys to check out from Mike DeLeo. Uh, Ali, obviously, you're a busy man. You've got some stuff coming down the pipeline. What's next for you, sir? Yeah, I want to break down all these uh, prospects outside of Zion. You know, Nikhil, uh, Jackson, and Didi. And I'm going to go in depth and just kind of try and project what I think possibly their careers could look like. Because everybody's already scouted them in depth. We saw what we saw in Summer League. But now I'm just curious about what they may turn into. All right, you guys. Thank you again for listening. Of course, if you want to do us a favor, go over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Drop a comment there if you like. And above all, please share this, retweet it, all that good stuff. We really appreciate you guys. we got a lot more content coming down the pipeline. But for now, hey, let's dance. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clear. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.